Welcome to the Bible Teachers, featuring sermons from around Australia. And here is today's presenter, Fabiano Nionkuru. Let us pray. Our heavenly, most precious Father, Lord, thank you for the beautiful Sabbath. We thank you for the church family and friends. And we thank you for what you have done to us and through us in the past year as well as in this new year, in these few days, in this new year. Father, Lord, we are not perfect, but we come humbly at the throne of mercy, knowing that we will receive pardon for our sins, knowing that you are more than, well, you are more than ready to um, help us in our struggles here on earth. Father, we pray that you may open our eyes and open our ears to the influence of the Holy Spirit. We are praying that today, in this morning, that you may speak to each one of us individually. Father, Lord, we are praying that you may comfort those who, are, who have been going through hardships. We are praying that you may be with those who are sick. We are praying that the Holy Spirit may minister to the hearts of those who are distressed. Father, Lord, it is high time, and we pray that you may help us to prepare for the soon coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, we are praying that today that we may be led another um, step closer into the arms of Jesus. Father, Lord, we are praying that today, as we study from your word, that you may help us not to make the truth of the Bible more practical. It is my humble prayer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was preparing the sermon, I struggled between two titles, but I finally made my decision, and um, you notice that I'm going to jump between decision-making as well as Christian behavior, but I realized that those two go hand in hand, so I put them together, and the sermon for, the title for our sermon today is, Our Decision Determines the Outcome. As I was thinking about decisions, I realized that a decision must be made every day of our lives and every moment of our lives. And uh, when we make decisions, we are forced to make a decision uh, between truth and error and between um, a whole heap of other things. But today we are focusing with uh, the decisions that we make between truth and error and decisions which we make in the light of, um, of, of knowing and proper understanding of all circumstances as it is revealed in the word of God. And so I believe truth will always be truth and you can decide to accept it or reject it. However, the decisions you make in the light of truth will determine the outcome. Far-reaching impacts are the results of decisions being made every moment of our lives. Decisions that are spirit-filled will align themselves with truth, and when this is done, God will be glorified. Jesus is truth. Pilate asked in John chapter 19, verse 38, what is truth? Truth was standing next to him, and he could find no fault in the man Jesus. Even the eyes and the senses of men, when aided by the Spirit, they utter truth unknowingly. And I believe Pilate, when he, when he said in John chapter 18, I believe, 
Let me quickly double check that. In John chapter 19, verse 5, when he says, when Pilate said, Behold the man, he proclaimed something profound of which many people at the time didn't capture. And so truth is Jesus Christ. Truth is God the Father. Truth is God the Holy Spirit. They are all truth and they are all one. And on that Friday, when Pilate was standing in between truth and traditions, customs, of, customs and the, the norms of the day, he was forced to make a decision. The Jews had already made their decision on the eve of the Passover. And so Pilate, not knowing what great truth, um, and so Pilate, not knowing what great truth, he exclaimed when he said, Behold the men, he didn't realize that he was making also a decision for himself. You see, Jesus is the Son of Man, as Pilate says, said in John chapter 19, verse 5. He is truly the Son of Man, but he is also the Son of God. And Jesus, as he says in John chapter 5, I believe it might be 48, or Matthew, don't quote me on that one, when he said, before Abraham I am, he was once again claiming to be equal with the Father. And so when Pilate said, Behold the man, he was saying simply, Behold the Son of God. And so when we make a decision, we must always remember that there is always a light or truth as well as something contrary to that. And when we make a decision, we usually are forced to make a decision between the two. Now, interestingly, in the day and age in which we are living, many people do not want to hear about truth at all. Many people are happy to just go about their feelings. Many people are happy to just go with the norm. And many people are just happy to be comfortable in their own estates and materialistic um, world and life in which they live. And here in Australia, especially recently, we are seeing an increase in the numbers of people who are taking uh, no religion on the census papers. And just recently, as you all know, the LGBT vote was made and many people are fighting against truth. And so we are living in a post-truth times and we as Christians are also uh, required to make a decision at the same time. You see, whenever there's a movement or a people who are going for something or against something, whether you like it or not, you are also forced to make a decision whether you agree with what they're saying or whether you don't agree with what they're saying. And so I believe as Christians, especially as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we must make a decision. And we must make a decision that would allow the people out there to see where we stand on the issue. We cannot just stand uh, in the middle of either decisions and pretend as if we don't know the far-reaching impacts of the decisions. We need, of course, through love, through the way we live, show where we stand. I say that because not all people who are in the church um, happen to be converted um, if you understand what I mean. Not all people in the church are Christians. And so even in our churches, 
we are, by the decisions we make, we are a living testimony. We are preaching to the masses. And so we are preaching in the church. We are preaching also outside. It is very important that you understand that we must make a decision. And the decision we make says something about the Lord we serve. A decision must be made. Now, when we make a decision, that influences our behavior as well. And our behaviors are determined by our beliefs, and our beliefs by our worldview, our worldview by the core values of which we hold. And so our core values as Seventh-day Adventists must be grounded in the Word. And if they're grounded in the Word, then our worldviews and our beliefs will be in line with that. And then we'll be able to act accordingly. And so it is very important in the day and age in which we are living to know where we stand as Seventh-day Adventists and to know how we behave. When we first arrived here in Australia, we were shocked about many things. And one of which being that this, this, you hardly hear anything on Dress, how people dress. You hardly hear anything on music, the right kind of music and the wrong kind of music. You hardly hear about Christian behaviors, practical living. And these are very important, dear friends, because we cannot just have our head knowledge. We cannot just study the word and not allow that word to have an impact in our lives. We must allow the inward change person to also come out in the way we live. And so the inward should also influence the outward. It is very important because our actions speak louder than words. And so while we may say, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you to so and so, it is very important that we also walk according to what we believe. It is very important. One thing I was told before coming to Avondale uh, by a certain minister was that I must tell people, so I must not tell people what to do. Over a few years, I've contemplated on that, but I refuse to buy into that. The words say, go therefore into all the words and tell them. Of course, yes, tell them about the good news, but the good news will have an impact in their lives. If they receive Jesus, they will not remain the same anymore. And so we must talk about decisions which we must make. And we must talk about the behaviors of which should accompany a, uh, a Christian. And so let us first of all look at good behaviors and bad behaviors in the Bible and then walk through some of these things such as the rock kind of music, dress reform, and things, th- things like this which are very important in the Christian life. Let us go to Luke chapter 1 verse 6. Which book, everybody? Which, ro- which book are we reading? It's the book of Luke chapter 1 and we are going to verse Six. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 6, I'm reading from the New King James Version, and here it says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And this is talking about Zacharias and Elizabeth. And once again, notice what the Bible says. It says, And they were both righteous before God, walking. That word is very important. You can do a thematic study on that. It's very important. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. 
This is the kind of report we should be receiving. At least that's, what, that's the kind of report I want to receive as well. That we are walking, you know, uh, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. And this, uh, this expression, walking with the Lord, walking in the Lord, walking um, in the Bible, you realize that is referring to the experience, your Christian experience, your conduct. And it is very important then that we understand that this is very important in our Christian life. Let us go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. And let's, talk, let's look at Enoch, some of the giants of faith. Enoch, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. Once again, we've discovered in Luke chapter 1, verse 6, that Elizabeth and Zacharias walked in all the commandments of the Lord. Now, when we go to Genesis chapter 5, chapter 5 verse 24, we read of these words. It says, And Enoch... Did what, everybody? He walked with God. And not only that, it says there, Genesis 5, 24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Interesting. So he walked with God. And God realized that, uh, and God had made a decision that he will be translated, translated to heaven without seeing death. And so Enoch had that closer walk with God. And not only that, we see that Noah, as well as Abraham, um, had a similar report. And so let us look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, and verse 22. That is Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, and verse 22. Verse 9, it says, This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Once again, but notice what he did in verse 22. He says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. This is not um, salvation by works, but faith without works is dead. And it's very, it's very important to understand that. If you've met Christ, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you must not remain the same. I understand there's a journey to go through, but you must not remain the same. When I was in the world and I finally received the light, the things of the world are hated. And I understand there was a process, but there's, 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 a, there's a change that must happen. And once that change happens, then people will see you and see that you have been with the Lord. It's very important. And those people who will see you, they'll begin to ask you questions. Why are you so like this? Even in your workplaces, why are you so kind? And that is what we want to hear, dear friends. Because when people start saying things like that, that is Christ whom they're seeing through you. That is the greater light that is shining through you. And so it's very important, as we can see, the great giants of, giants of faith in the Bible, they walked with God. They had a closer walk with God. And so their lives, somehow, um, they... Pleased the Lord. And we know in Hebrews chapter 11 that there's a list of these giants of faith and what they did. Not only what they believed, but what they did. And so we'll get to some of that a little bit later. Let us go to Gen uh, Job chapter 1, verse 8. Job chapter 1, verse 8. Decisions are important to make, and decisions will 
uh, impact us in our lives, and that will produce a certain kind of behavior. Genesis chapter 1, verse 8. In verse 8, it says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? One who fears God and shuns evil. See, where light is, evil cannot remain. And so Job had a closer walk with God, and Job put away anything that would come in between him and his Savior. It is very clear. It is very plain. And so while we talk about faith, let us also remember about the practicality of faith. Because faith is living. And so in 3 John, let us go to 3 John. Here we're just looking at good behaviors and what the Bible talks about behaviors. It is 2 John. I apologize. 2 John chapter 1 verse 5 and 6. 2 John chapter 2 John chapter 1 verse 5 and 6. And it says, "And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have heard, we have had from the beginning, that we love and love one another. This is love that we walk according to his commandments." This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Now, I picked that verse just to show that there's continuity from the Old Testament to the Old Testament. Sorry, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. See, sometimes when I tend to speak so fast that I get ahead of myself, so I apologize for that. But as you can see, in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament, it is the same theme that keeps occurring, and that is the faithful people of God have a walk with God. It's very plain and simple. But notice what the Bible says as well about bad behaviors. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, and I would ask you to read the whole chapter at home. We're not going to go through the whole chapter. But starting from verse 3 onwards, in 1 Samuel chapter 25, there's a rich farmer of Moan in the southern wilderness of Judah who was hard-hearted and wicked in his ways and almost lost his life um, when David you know, came pursuing him. Why? Because, you see, David had looked after his shepherds uh, um, you know, when they were in the fields and they made sure that nothing bad happened to them. But when David asked for a favor in return and said, hey, we are getting closer to the days of the feast. Can we come and dine with you? This man has such a bad behavior that no one um, spoke good of him. And so when he came to this report, he refused it and um, he pretty much rejected it. Go home and read the story. But at the end of it, what happens is the wife comes and intervenes and that man's life is spared. So bad behaviors, when you read the story, the moral of the story is very simple. Bad behaviors lead to death unless someone intervenes. And interestingly, in our Christian experience as well, as it says in Romans 6, verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the... Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned uh, and come short of the glory of God. If it were not for Jesus who came and intervened on our behalf, then we wouldn't be here. And so, dear friends, there's good behaviors, 
of which the Bible talks about and of which we as Christians should practice. But there's also bad behaviors. There's a lot of reports on bad behaviors. But because of time's sake, I just wanted to make those two contrasts. It is worthy to always pray and asking God to help you to reflect Christ. I've noticed that when I pray that, somehow, I guess in the way I do things, in the way I go about life, I start becoming um, more nicer, and the Holy Spirit does his work in me, and that is what I love about God, because this work which he's asking us to do, it is not something we do within our own powers, but he has provided the Holy Spirit to help us. I believe it's Romans chapter 5. We have the Holy Spirit who can help us. And so while we talk about the behaviors, about what we should be doing as Christians, let us remember that it is not in our own strength. God is there for us, and he can help, he can help us. But we must surrender every single day of our lives. We must surrender. Let us turn to Luke chapter 10. And now we are going to look at the principles which guide our behaviors. In Luke chapter 10, we are going to read a verse which talks about principle number one. And I believe this is, a, this is at the core of every good behavior. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 27. And it says, So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This is principle number one. Love is the foundation of everything. If we love God with all our heart, then we'll go wherever he sends us. If we love God with all our heart, then we'll be willing to do what he asks us to do. And if we love God with all our heart, truly, if we love God, then we must be willing for him to come and change and mold and transform us and make us more like Christ. You see, if we love God, I believe every single day of our lives is going to be more joyful and joyful because there's nothing sweet like becoming like Christ. You see, we must also understand what love is. I've noticed we use the word love for a lot of things. We say, I love my wife, and you truly mean it. But then we also say, oh, I love my dog. And then you say, I love my car. I love my street. But I wonder what you mean when you say I love. And so in this day and age, the word love is used in many different ways. Some people say I love, and whatever they attach after that, and you think about it and you look at it in the Bible and you say, that, does not, that is not in line with the word of God. And so you must question which love are they referring to. But the love which the Bible wants us to have um, between us and God, it is a genuine love where we are willing to surrender everything to him. Because we know that he is the one who pretty much allows us to continue every day of our lives. He is the, our, lives, our lives are in, uh, in his hands, and without him, there is nothing. Without God, there is no life, there is nothing. And so our love for God is not just uh, a, 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 a feeling that we have, but our love for God 
is bigger than that. And I believe our love for God is even more um, uh, accentuated, if I can use that word, if that is grammatically correct. If our love for God is accentuated when we contemplate more about what he has done for us on the cross. I believe our love for God is, should be stronger than our love for anything else. And so if we love God, then definitely we, should, we will be willing to allow God to work in us and through us for his glory alone. And so that is principle number one, is at the very foundation of everything, of any Christian behavior. Let us go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, we read of the following words. In fact, we'll read from verse 9 up to verse 19. This is Romans chapter 12. Reading from verse 9 to verse 19, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging, is that how you pronounce it? Lagging, not lagging. In diligence, Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another, Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Lots of principles in there which should influence our behaviors. As I was going through this this list, I realized there's a lot which we need to keep in mind, but praise God, if we surrender to him every single day of our lives, you'll notice that you are taking steps forward. And that is the work of God, and praise God for that. Once again, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, you know it all. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Even though you know the verse, it is also, it's always good to turn the pages. Once again, to remind yourself where the verses are. And that is Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Let us read it together. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Yeah. Do it with all your might. And I looked at another translation which said, do your best in all things. Do it well, do it for the glory of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. Do it all for the glory of God. And so ladies, when you're in the mirror, when you're putting on the makeups, you should be saying, is this for the glory of God? I know. Same with gentlemen. Everything we do, is it for the glory of God? In the day and age where people don't want to talk about dress reform, 
where many people are leading the young man's mind into many different fantasies. Are we wearing, are we dressing for the glory of God? The kind of music we listen to, are we entertaining the angels of God? Or are we entertaining something else from the bottomless pit? And so, everything your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's a great principle. I, uh, lastly, but not least, Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15. I found another principle there. There's a lot in the Bible. I had a list of them, but sermons have limited time. Uh, we are given limited time, and sometimes it is hard to keep up with time. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, it says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will you have with your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites, with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I said to you, they have a reward. Forgive one another, it's, I think, is very important. These are principles which should guide us. And if we, if we follow them, and there's more, once again, there's more. If we follow them, they are going to produce in us the Christian behaviors which are pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And so I know some people might say, but this sounds like work, uh, work, work theology, you know, salvation by works. But my question is, what's wrong with good works? There's nothing wrong with good works. And so, James chapter 2, we all know it. Let us go through a few verses and highlight a few things. James chapter 2. James chapter 2, and this is the word of God, dear friends. The word of God is truthful. And everything the word of God says, you can trust it, believe it, and follow it. And so, make no mistake about it, this is truth. James chapter 2. And we will read from verse 2. In James chapter 2 from verse 2, it says, For if they should come into your assembly... I apologize. Let us read, in fact, from verse, um, verse 12. I realize there's, a, there's key points that I want to highlight from these verses. And so in James chapter 2 verse 12, it says, So speak and, and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Verse 14 to 19, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? That's also faith by itself if it does not have works. Sorry, I read that again correctly. That's also faith by itself. If it does not have works, is dead. And if something is dead, it's dead, friends. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. 
And so what we have here must be translated here and then come up. Simple. What we have here must be attached to the heart, of course, and come up. And people will see you and they will know you're an Adventist. You're a Christian. You're a loving person. You're kind. You're considerate. And these are good things because this is how we give glory to God. We don't have glory within ourselves, but we give glory to God by reflecting Christ Jesus. And so, faith without works is dead. Notice Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, 21. And dear friends, these are the words which you've read over and over again. But once again, let us emphasize the point and ask the Holy Spirit to help us as we journey on. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 21. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 21, we read of these words. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from the thorn bushes or figs from the thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Then verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who... What does the word say? Exactly. Who does the will of my Father in heaven. So you believe and so do. Otherwise, you are not genuine and you are not truthful. If you believe, let it be carried out. And so dear friends, I have a question. What good is it? I hope I've Grammatically put it together nicely. But the question is, what good is it if one promises you love and loyalty, or if your closest one promises you love and loyalty, but then later on you find them plotting you to kill you? What good is it? It doesn't make sense. If you truly love, then that must be carried out. Oh, we know First Corinthians 13, right? When he talks about love, how it's not evil, it's, not, it's none of all, all, all those bad stuff. And so love in its purity must be carried out. If we love Jesus with all our hearts, we must be willing to go all the way by the grace of God. And so, dear friends, if we say something, let us act on it. And if we believe something, let us make sure we mean it. Those who are saved will be careful in what they do. And so, once again, this is Christian behavior. We must now make things practical because we are living in a day and age where saying it isn't really um, doing much. And it's important. I'm not diminishing the importance of that. We need to preach the word. We need to speak to our neighbors. But if they don't see you know, Christ in you in the way you live and everything, your message will be forgotten. In fact, they won't even believe it. We're living in a very postmodern world. Many people are very skeptical of truth. In fact, what is truth? Just like Pilate asked, what is truth nowadays? Truth is no longer truth. Truth nowadays is more about the feelings. But we are living at, 
We are living in a great time of the antitypical day of the, uh, of the Day of Atonement. Not a, not a time to fall asleep. It's a, time, it's a high time to wake up and procla- proclaim the three angels' messages. It is very important, dear friends. I'll read one more verse and then I'll read you a quote. This is uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Some people call this the ladder. Um, but it's very interesting reading these words again. Let us read from verse, verse 5 to 11. And I'll show you something which I found very interesting. Verse 5, it says, But also, for this reason, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. Notice that. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. I believe this kind of person doesn't even know Christ, you see. Continuing. And has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling, your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in this everlasting, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 10, it says, For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And so the Bible is harmonious. Faith with works. What I believe must be clearly seen. Listen to um, the Great Controversy, page 472. Conflict of the Ages, volume 5. I believe that's the Great Controversy, page 472. It says, The desire for an easy religion that requires no striving, no self-denial, no divorce from the follies of the world has made the doctrine of faith and faith only a popular doctrine. But what saith the word of God? Continuing, a few lines down, it says, The commission of a known sin silences the witnessing voice of the Spirit and separates the soul from God. And so, some people want an easy religion. They say, don't worry about that. Don't worry about doctrine. But Jesus is doctrine. (laughs) Don't worry about that. Don't worry about this. But, dear friends, the reason why we're still here on earth is because God wants to do some work in us. We came from um, the world. We came from the mud, from the, uh, from, from, from the pits of hell. We should be different. If, Christ, if you have received Christ in your heart, you should be different. It's simple as that. And so everything we do, let us give glory to God. Some will believe that we do not have to preach about dress reform, music reform, or even discuss what we should and should not do as Christians. These individuals are happy to just go to church and hear a message on love and live feeling flattered and happy, yet their lives remain unchanged. Their homes are full of worldly movies. They do not see the evils of worldly, of world music, worldly music and the books of which they take delight in reading. 
are keeping God's angels as far as heaven is from the earth. When faith is not mixed with good works, or rather, should I say, when your faith is not evidenced through good deeds, deeds that reflect the fruit of the Spirit, then I question your conversion. Your conversion. That's just my take on this. Everyone who comes to Christ who began a process of being transformed in Christ-likeness, there's a change. Once again, I emphasize that there's a change. There's, and of course, this doesn't mean we are sad. We are happy about what Christ is doing in us. It gives us joy. It gives us peace. And if you haven't noticed, the Ten Commandments are a list as well of good behaviors. Written in positive, yes, but a list of good behaviors. I, I'll quickly go through each one of them. Verse 2 says, you have no other gods before me. You have no idols. Nowadays, many people have so many idols. I know a few friends of mine who would take some Hollywood actors as their idol and, you know, in just living for them, having their posters everywhere, doing that, and, you know. And idols are not just the celebrities. Movies. There's a lot of movies which are against God. There's an attack on God in these worldly entertainments. And some people make those their idols. Verse 4. You will not bow down and worship anything other than God. And we know that worship isn't just coming to a gathering like this. Verse 7. You will not say the name of God unless when giving glory to Him or when He gives glory to God. You will rest both spiritually and physically in the Lord and dedicate the whole Sabbath day to the Lord. Not once again checking that and that and getting into fully conversations. Verse 12. You honor your father and mother in all times and all circumstances, but never put them above God. Then verse 13. You will not kill the body or your soul. Health reform. For we know that our bodies are the living temples of God. You will not kill yourself spiritually by watching or listening to things which will numb, which will, uh, numb the minds and, you know, and lead you astray. Okay, the time. <laughs> Verse 16. You will not bear false witness. You will not covet. These are a list of good behaviors. But dear friends, I want to just talk about how many? One, two, three, four, five things. Because... Time is against us. One, number one, speech. In Ephesians chapter 4, if you have a pen, you can note these, these verses. We're not going to go through them. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, as well as Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 4, we are told that we should not um, use, uh, it says, every idle and careless words should not be amongst us. We should not be like that. And so our speech should reflect the um, the Lord, the, the, the Lord whom we serve, and the and the work which He has done in us. In other words, our language, our speech to our uh, family members, our friends, our church uh, um, family should always, in all circumstances, reflect what God has done in our hearts. What we read, nowadays, people read all sorts of things. But if we remember that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, do it all for the glory of God, then every time you pick up that Harry Potter or any other rubbish like that, you should always ask yourself, 
how does this bring me closer to God or how does this glorify God? Because if it does not help you spiritually or in health, maybe, then I don't see the point of it. I speak truth and please don't be mad with me. This is hard time and we need to be advancing. In our music, I give you a page to read. If you are writing, write Councils for the Church, page 172. Music should be to the glory of God. Not things which lead us to entertainments and emotionalism, because those things, yes, they might give you the high experience, but at the end of it all, at the end of it all if there's no truth, if, there, if there's no elevate, if there's no bring glory to God, is nothing but the tool of the enemy. Movies, same thing. As I said, there's, uh, maybe I should not make any advertisements, but there is an attack on God. And there's a lot in our church of, uh, of, of people who have been addressing these issues. Please take time to, um, to, 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 to look at their materials and look at what the enemy is doing in the media. And let us help other people understand because this is an attack on the mind, which ultimately is an attack on God. We must guide the avenues of our souls. Let us understand this. If you remember in Revelation, it says, if, um, okay, the verse just went from me, but almost, almost the, uh, the, uh, the, the whole world would wonder after the beasts. You would wonder, how is that possible? But, dear friends, if you knew that the enemy is working top-down, you know, trying to infiltrate the minds, especially of the younger ones, because they're the people who are going to be leading these nations, churches in the near future, if you understand that, then you do well to, um, to help people understand, as well as to guard, your, to guard yourself against, against these kind of things. Lastly, but not least, and this is the one that I find frustrating, uh, frustrating um, within this society. One, people have taken the gifts which God has given to the married couples and they have used it to, for anything. In the media, sex sells. In the markets, nothing else you hear nowadays in the radios. You know, sometimes it's very sad and, and hard to you know, enter those shopping centers. <laughs> but this is what's happening. And I read a quote, I read an article one day of a man who was trying to appeal to these, um, 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 to these people, uh, this shop in particular in the Westfield, but they could not even listen to him. So he kept on going up to the higher levels, you know, to the executives, trying to appeal to them. And dear friends, there's a lot of people who are getting a lot of money through these kind of things, and they're not willing to back down. But this is an attack on God and an attack on family. No, longer, no wonder why we're getting confused societies. Dress reform is important, dear friends. In Isaiah chapter 3, I'll read this one. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 3. This is very, very, very important. Um, and I believe it's not because of my cultural background. I believe that God wants us to be covered simply because um, the enemy is 
using everything which God had blessed for to attack God himself as well as to ruin the lives of people. This is Isaiah chapter 3, verse 16 and up to 24. In Isaiah chapter 3, listen to these words. In Isaiah chapter 3, verse 16 to 24, it says, and there's more verses that definitely we can share. It says, Moreover, the Lord says, Because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, making a jingling with their feet. Therefore, the Lord will strike with his scalp the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will uncover their secret parts in the day of the Lord. So in that day of the Lord will in that day the Lord will take away the finery, the jingling anklets, the scarves and the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets and the veils and the head, um, headdresses and the leg ornaments and the headbands and the perfume boxes and the charms and the rings and the no- nose jewels and the fistful apparel and the mantles and the outer garments and the purses and the mirrors, the fine linen, the turbans and the robes. Where are we? Verse 24. And so it shall be, instead of a sweet smell, there will be a stench. Instead of a sash, a robe. Instead of a well-set hair, boldness. Instead of rich robe, a girding of sackcloth. And breading instead of beauty. You know, the Bible talks a lot on dress. It is very important. It is important. Simply put, it used to be a women's issue. But nowadays it's becoming also a men's issue. The way we dress this temple of God shows the kind of God we serve. And so let us ever remember that. Um, And it's very, very important that our Christian behaviors are talked about in our midst. This is a very sad thing that ever since I arrived in Australia, I've been here I think now 12 years, never heard of such a thing. And no wonder why you walk into certain places, even, even within our midst, and you wonder. And I understand, yes, we live in a secular society, but let us be examples to others. How's that? We ought to be different. We can't just go with the world. Let us be different. In relationships, oh, that's another topic. God says the man shall leave his father and mother's house and cleave unto his wife, and there shall be one. It doesn't say that you shall go and try and test and so forth. Dear friends, it is high time. Now, I'll stop it there, and I'll just read you um, a, few, a few lines, and then we'll, we'll bring it to a close, simply because I have gone over time, and I apologize for that. Um, this is Evangelism, page 672. It says, Many dress like the world in order to have an influence over unbelievers, but here they make a sad mistake. That is very simple, plain and clear. The words, the dress, and the, and the actions should tell for God. It's very simple. This is from Pen of Inspiration. And um, once again, same book, page 673. says, Our words, our actions, and our dress are daily living preachers. Gathering with Christ or scattering abroad. And, um, you know, I could read quotes after quotes, but dear friends, this is the kind of world in which we're living. Post truth. The question for them is what is truth? But yet they don't rec- recognize that truth is standing 
right beside them. Jesus is ever present, but it's just that they're continually rejecting. And dear friends, many people are saying, oh, behold the man, but yet they don't realize this is God himself. And they say, I'm a Christian, but yet they don't realize that that in itself should have a major impact upon us. To follow Christ means to follow him faithfully, fully surrendered. And yes, when we fall, we will fall at times, but yes, when we fall, we will ask for strength to get up and continue. It is high time. And my prayer is that we may make a decision for ourselves, and our decisions will influence our behaviors, which our behaviors are influenced by our beliefs, and our beliefs by our worldviews, and our worldviews by our core values. And let me submit to you, this is where we should get our core values from. Thank you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, the creator of heaven and earth, Lord, we are grateful for the work which you do in us and through us for your glory. We are grateful that you have brought us to this high mountain today to worship and to give praises to you. But, Father, we are also reminded that what Jesus has done for us, Father Lord, should encourage us to pray more earnestly for the Holy Spirit to change us day by day. Father, we pray that if there is any dirt on us, if there is anything that is unchristlike, we pray that you may cut it off from us. And we are praying, Father, that you may help us while we weak, while we are weak, and while we are uh, feeble, and while we are uh, not as strong, that you may give us the spiritual strength to help us in times such as these. For we can see that all the nations are angry and the world is heading towards the climax of history. And we can see, Father Lord, that truth is not popular anymore. We are asking that you may give us spiritual eyesight. And we are asking that you may give us hearts to hear, softened by your spirit, and to be ready to be transformed in the likeness of our Savior. Father, bless us. And may the love of Jesus and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612-4973-3456 Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au That is radio at the number 3abn Australia all one word dot org dot au Our postal address is 3abn Australia Inc. P.O. Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales, 2264, Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. a short presentation on the history of the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. 30 years after the death of Wycliffe, at the Council of Constance in Germany, 
he was declared to be a heretic. A decree was made to dig up his bones and burn them to ashes. At that time, the Bishop of Lincoln was a former friend of his and he delayed in acting on this request for five years. He moved out the area and the next one who came in also vacillated for eight years before finally succumbing to this demand and dug up the bones and burned them. After burning his bones, they threw the ashes into the River Swift. But the significance of this gruesome act and the symbolism it would come to later represent, they could not have imagined. The River Swift flows into the River Avon. The River Avon flows into the Bristol Channel. And the Bristol Channel eventually flows into the Atlantic Ocean. And so symbolically, the effect of his work spread around the whole world. He is called the morning star of the Reformation because he was the beginning in a chain of events that once started became unstoppable. John Wycliffe gave to the Christian church perhaps the greatest gift possible, the Bible. And once given, the light would begin to shine and the darkness would be peeled away. John Wycliffe's work is key in our Christian heritage, for at the center of our faith is the Bible. Never underestimate the extent of the work that you do. John Wycliffe was called here to Lutterworth, a small, quiet country town, or probably back then, just a village. If any of us were called here to this town today, we might think it's not good enough, or not big enough, or not prestigious enough but he faithfully did the work that God had called him to do and gave to the Christian church perhaps the greatest gift possible. Wherever you are, use the gifts and the talents that God has given you, for you never know how far your influence may spread. To view more episodes in this series on the Reformation, go to lineagejourney.com.